So we're just going to talk about death? Yeah, you want to talk about death? Yeah. You go first. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I guess that's the cold open, then. (laughs) Uh, I guess. Prophet, preacher, servant, leader, rector, reverend, deacon, elder, what the hell is the pastor? Oh, man. So, like, death. Okay. Uh, What do you think about death, Joe? You think death's cool? Uh, Wow, I feel really attacked right now. Um, (laughs) Just the way you said it was like, hey, so I hear you like death. Um, I, uh, yeah, I do like death. I think it's cool. The Tony had was like, want to buy some drugs? Like, it was... buy some drugs. <laughs> it's it was... kind of confusing. Um, yeah. So I, um, there's a, uh, a a lady who um, has like a a blog and a YouTube channel and an Instagram called The Good Death, um, and her her book was is um, I think it's dust gets in your eyes, ash gets in your eyes and other stories from the crematorium. Um, And she kind of talks about her journey of going from somebody who um, had a real aversion to death to somebody who is now passionate about um, how we handle death in our culture. Um, And so I like, I am fascinated by the different ways that cultures deal with death. I am not bothered at all by talking about death. Like it, I don't, I don't feel overly morbid when I talk about it. Like I just, it, like it's a part of our human experience that I feel like we should all just be able to chat about. Um, and I'm trying to think, uh, like, I think that my understanding of death is probably more like more pagan than Christian. And because, because like, we don't know for sure what comes in the life after this, like we have it, we have assurances in scripture and we have theologies around it and all this kind of stuff. Uh, But at the end of the day, like it's in Jesus's hands and we don't know what it's going to look like. And so I focus more on the, um, the rituals that we have for the living after the dead are gone. Um, Yeah. Well, I don't think that's like more pagan than, you know, or anything. I think that's, Ah, keep going. I'm sorry. Well, but no, like, let's, let's take that turn. Cause I don't think I had anything else really interesting to say, because to me, and this is probably because, um, uh, because of my time in evangelical land, um, that, uh, I think of the Christian understandings around death that like, um, death doesn't matter and uh we should all be celebrating because someone has gone home to be with jesus and like everybody is in a better place after they die and um you shouldn't be sad at all because like this is the best possible outcome of a life the one that we all encounter at the end but like the like to me the christian understanding is we're okay with death because like jesus has got us covered as long as we've done all the Christian things. Right. Um, and we don't mourn like those without any hope, but like, I don't know that there are like other than very tragic deaths that can happen in any culture. I think that most culturals have 
cultures have rituals that mm. um, allow them to mourn and make meaning out of death. And um, like, I don't think Christianity has a monopoly on it. So oh, I sure. like to think about the other ways that different cultures do it. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. I, I understand that. Yeah, no, I mean, certainly that evangelical kind of approach to death is problematic because all you have to do is think for three seconds long past just the script. And then you go, so wait, life is a suffering prison that we need to escape from? And then they go, no. <laughs> but they really don't have any other way of putting it. Like, <laughs> Right. So usually evangelicals just repeat the script, which is which is my experience with them. No, of course not. You see, it's more that death is uh, once you die, you get to be with Jesus. But don't kill yourself or you're not there. You just have to die after years and years of suffering. Right. But, only, but only if, uh, you know, but now if we're a prosperity gospel people, then it's different. The only reason your life is filled with suffering is because Jesus doesn't love you. And so you will then go to hell after you die. <laughs> right. It's all very, it's all very complicated and very incoherent. Um, no, but I understand that. I, I, I feel that. I am, I kind of have in my life sort of an interesting mixture where um, I, I've become, a, a, after becoming a Christian and, and really, kind of engaging with certain thinkers and theologians, I've become really um, attentive to the ways in which death is sort of used in life, hmm. you know, kind of for nefarious purposes, mostly. Um, and so like sometimes <laughs> so in the middle of the pandemic, we, we often say, we don't often say this, but we hear a lot about, the death cult of the GOP. <laughs> right. You know, that is where, a, that's a term that is thrown around. Yeah. Yes. Where there's this sense in which, um, and where, so where that comes from, well, actually, what that means to me is what I'll say. What that means to me is um, there is this sort of cavalier attitude about death, which actually means that there's a cavalier attitude about life. Mm -hmm. Um and, and there seems to be, on one hand, a lack of a desire to both preserve life and cause life to flourish in sort of the practices and ideologies of, of the GOP. But at the same time, there is also the sense that the highest and best thing you can do is give up your life in order to further the goals of the GOP. Right. And so like uh, the lieutenant governor from Texas months ago saying that, old, that, that elderly Americans are prepared to sacrifice themselves for the economy. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's stuff like that where you're like, huh? <laughs> what? You know, and, and, uh, and so I'm really attentive to that. William Stringfellow called that the moral power of death. Mm. You know, death, death's ability to shape and form people morally. Um, now, Stringfellow didn't mean that in, in like a positive way. He meant that in a very bad way, that that a person's moral imagination is sort of dominated by the logics of death in, in, in society. And so um, um, uh, uh, the capitalist work ethic, 
might be something Stringfellow would name as, as a sort of a death logic. We work, we work, we work, we work, we work, and then we die, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's good. And that makes you good. <laughs> that makes you moral. Stringfellow would say, no, that's, that's a, a, a sort of a, uh, a part of this kind of logic of the moral power of death that it, that it infects the way we reason, you know, uh, it, it's, it, it, and then also in Stringfellow, and I don't just mean to pull from Stringfellow, there are many others that I think are really interesting, you know, also in Stringfellow is then this other sense in which um, the moral power of death needs to be resisted. And the way it is resisted is by being very attentive to the flourishing of life. You know, it, it doesn't mean that for Stringfellow, it doesn't mean that we, we kind of resist death all the way up until we're frail and old and we can't do anything. It doesn't mean the establishing of like medicines that prolong life at the expense of the body, you know, you know, or, or practices of such death avoidance that we, that we harm ourselves and harm others. It's more like for Stringfellow that poetry writing, you know, (laughs) might be a, might be a great way of, of, promoting human life like the 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 creation of art and and the creation of 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 communities of refuge and of beauty or um uh fighting for the vulnerable and and the victimized uh justice all of these ways are are ways in which we resist the moral power of death stringfellow called it living humanly hmm in in the midst of death those are things that really affect me and like like that that really kind of form me in 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 important ways when i think about death right so that's like one thing the other thing i have is it's not is sort of a uh a a sense of just how final death is you know like Mm. um we watched the haunting of Bly Manor, which is the new haunting of Hill House mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. sequel. I just finished it as well, so we can talk off mic about. Yeah, let's let's today. chat about that. Um, I am, you know, like like death is death is kind of awful. Like like on sure you we can approach it in a million ways, but like one of the things that I I appreciated about the haunting of Bly Manor was when, when we when we begin to understand you know the the lady of the lake and some of these ghosts and spirits that are haunting Bly mm-hmm. Manor you know we see that 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 it, it sort of cuts across the entire um, uh, uh, orientation of human life you know hu- human life is not oriented towards things ending you know, it's oriented towards things continuing. Like, like, are you planning for the end of Ian's life? No, you know, like, like you, in order to live, in order to be in relationship with people, we sort of have to live under the assumption that this is forever, <laughs> you know, this is, uh, that 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 our projects that we can that human projects can kind of continue and that that love sort of doesn't end and so our lo- our loving you know 
yes, we sort of intellectually know that uh, that it will, but we live by forgetting that. You know, <laughs> we live by sort of throwing that off into our minds a little bit, and we do stuff. You laugh at me, and so, but I stand by what I'm saying. No, I I laugh because um, the so the day before Ian and I like officially decided that we were going to date low these two years ago um like i we were both talking about um well i because i had just gotten out of a relationship was like i mean you know that like this this ends in heartbreak any way that it ends like either we break up or uh one of us dies before the other like like that's the yeah. end game here and that's the end of every relationship um and so it, just saying that like we don't plan for the we we plan for these things to go on forever but i like even before it started was like nope this is gonna end so i just need you to know that <laughs> um, yeah and that's all fine like i, I get that yeah yeah i understand that but and, and that's that's that existential dread, you know, that that I also find really attractive and, and about death. But like there is a sense in which um, you cannot always have that in your mind. Right. You know, otherwise you can't do it. Like otherwise there is no relationship. You know, it's just we 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 like I said, we live by forgetting that fact. Like we live by saying, yeah, well send it out of my mind. Um, and so there's this interesting sense when I think of it that way, um, where I understand why like death or non-being becomes like a jumping off point for like a lot of religious or theological reflection. Because because it, it, it's sort of the first infinite we think of, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know? Um, so it's it's interesting. I, I don't know. I, I I have I say all of that to say I have two kind of traditions within me. This this tradition of you know so much evil in the world comes from um, a a horrible relationship with death. Mm-hmm. You know that that is perpetuated by sort of death cults or practices of death avoidance or or the fundamental reality that death is being inflicted on groups of people, you know, mm-hmm. like, like, so you've got that, which I think is deeply Christian and has some Christian has lots of interesting theological perspectives in that way. But then I have this other tradition of just sort of, you know, seeing death as so unnatural while understanding that it is, while understanding that, you know, of course it's natural, you know, it, 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 it happens to everybody and everything. And I go, yeah, but like, it's not natural to Adrea. Right. You know, and, and, and sure, like, that's not like a, that's not, that's not a great argument because anybody can be like, well, Adrea needs to grow up yet, you know? Mm-hmm. Fine, fine, sure, sure. But like when that little boy was carried into the lake and haunting a blind manor, I almost had to turn it off. Oof. You know? Right. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like I almost like, 
oh, actually, no, I can't. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. You know, and, and you know, when, when you're confronted with, you know, and then his face disappears, like, oh, God, like, that's that's horrific. And it's horrific for a lot of reasons. But like, but that's what I mean when I say it sort of cuts across us naturally, it cuts across our orientation as beings, right? Because it, it's, it goes against the grain, you know, it, it, it's yes, it's this reality. But at this end, and, and yes, it's natural in, in this important way, but it's also unnatural in an equally important way, um, I think, which is, which is why I think it, it makes sense to me why like early patristic writers see the reality and economy of death as a product of the fall mm -hmm. and not as something sort of intrinsic to the design of God. Um, that's what I think. Yeah, I, um, hmm. So I, I remember growing up, um, there was kind of this, this strain in, in preaching and theology that condemned, um, the way that we, uh, uh, avoid death by like spending money on things and accumulating more wealth and, and possessions um, or like ways of extending your life or like being vain almost. It was like all of the, all of the sins that uh, anybody wanted to condemn were connected to death in a way um, mm -hmm. instead of capitalism. <laughs> Um, right, right. Like, and, and I think that um, that that kind of impulse to inculcate ourselves against death is an impulse of um, of the rich, almost. I mean, it's I don't, and again, I don't want to like. No, I do want to throw the rich under the bus, but there's like there's this way in which um, money gives you this ability to pretend as like death is going to um is not going to come to you in this kind of like violent and um like just just brutal way uh, yeah. because you will have you will have had medical care or you will have had all of these things to prepare you or um or you won't have to have concerns about your family or or all this kind of stuff um, and I think that I, that people who do not have wealth um, think about death in a, in a different way. I don't, I don't know. Like, I just, I find that, um, I find that people who don't have the means to put off death are the ones who are able to kind of... Um, to have those rituals around death, uh, just because they're going to have to deal with it. They're going to have to live with it. Um, and there's no escaping it. And so let's make it a part of our rhythm. Let's make it a part of, of how we go about the world. And then that way it's not, it's not, there's, there's something to help you deal with it. It's not just devastating. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to say that there is a, there's an intermingling of um, desire for wealth as a fear of death um, and desire for power 
like, like the fear of death pushes those with the ability to acquire power and wealth to acquire those things and then be unprepared for death when it actually happens. Um, and then there's another, there's a whole other way of thinking about death that does not involve trying to fight it off. Um, but I do still think that, um, in the hands of the powerful, a fear of death just causes broader death. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think for like everyday folk, their interaction with death is different. I don't know. I, so I think that there is truth to what you're saying. I, I do. Um, I don't know if I'm prepared to go sort of that materially. Yeah. <laughs> I just spent a, a ton of time using materialism as a dirty word. And that's not really what I mean. <laughs> but like, you know, like, like I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's kind of crafted totally in that way. So like there is a sense in which, um, uh, um, there are uh, enlisting in the American military is one of the is one of the handful of options that impoverished people have in order to not be in poverty. Right. Um, this, a question that I might have kind of posed to sort of all of this is: on one hand, I think I see that that reality as, as a really interesting way of highlighting what you've just said, that, that for folks with means, they on one hand are able to shield themselves from the reality of death and they don't have to join the military. You know, they don't have to put themselves in, in, in the, in the, the face of death. They can, uh, that's one way we can see that. And I don't think is wrong. What I would want to ask then is, is like, and what I'd pose to that kind of formulation is, but what about, what about the mamas and daddies whose children right. die? You know, the, they're, they're poor. They, they, or at least they're certainly not as rich as the rich people who don't have to go to war, you know, like, are they equipped to handle death? better like like i'm you're you're no way making this argument but like right. i could see the argument of well that's why the poor should go to war <laughs> you, you laugh at that but i can i can see uh i can see lindsey graham making that argument exactly <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like, i can see i can see mitch mcconnell getting up there and being like well that's why the poor should go to war you know like 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 because the right. poor are made of sturdier stuff, their relationship to death is just is just better. Right. You know? and, and that's and that's why it's uh, it might be better for a poor person to die in war than for a Kennedy. <sighs> yeah. And, and and so that's that's really what I mean when I say that there's there's that sort of death as sort of cutting across our orientation as people right hmm. like like that's one element of what i mean you know uh it is true it is demonstrably materially true that black and brown people poor people disenfranchised people uh brush up against death way way more than rich and enfranchised people everybody brushes up against death 
but but it's it's demonstrably too that true that they brush up against death way way more i just want to know if why we think that's a good thing right i don't think it's a good thing (laughs) no i don't think you think it is either yeah and i don't mean to say that that um that what I described was the the totality of death. But I do want us to think about, um, when we talk about death, I want us to think about class as a part of how we talk yes. about death. Yes. Because we do talk about death as the great equalizer, but even the way the rich deal with death is different from the way that the poor deal with death. Um, and so like, even in our deaths, we are unequal. Um, it's just the reality that like death comes for all of us. Um, yeah, I um, I mean, at the end of the day, the reason why uh, the rich and powerful would be able to make the argument that like, oh, the poor just deal with death better. And so let's send them to war is that the rich and powerful don't care about the poor's lives. Right. They only mm-hmm. care about their own lives and their own death avoidance. And they are unable to understand the importance of the flourishing of all life because they are trying so desperately to cling to the flourishing of their lives. Right. Um, yeah, I, I have a lot of thoughts about death and I like to blame a lot of things on death um, that, that maybe aren't necessarily fair. Um, but, but what I'm finding more and more in my interactions with people um, is that, how do I want to put this? Um, that, that the way that we live our lives and the way that wealth impacts how we live our lives um, d- does a lot more than any of this kind of like on the ground, practically here and now today, your class and your race, but that's often really tied to class, impacts um, your well-being and your ability to live and the way in which you will die. And so like, while I am academically fascinated with how we treat death, um, I am called more to how we can live better and provide better life. And that doesn't mean that I'm avoiding death or ignoring death or blaming death on just material things. Um, but that like, if we have better lives, we have better deaths. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I, I do agree with that. Um, yes. I'm not even going to push on that. Frankly, yeah. I was going to say, I was going to say, well, the rich have the best lives. But they have, well, the rich have really impoverished lives and the rich have really terrible deaths. Like, um, like they're, and, and this is, this is probably just me like creating a straw man, rich person in my brain, but like wealth and power are really isolating um, and create in general lives where you are not building deep and important connections to people. And so you are living a life full of material wealth, but lacking in relational wealth, which is like what I would say is, I mean, money is important. We have said this a lot. We like money, but like all of the money in the world and no relationships will make you miserable. And so then at the end of their days, the rich will die 
these these deaths where um people are waiting on them to die so they can get their inheritance or people are waiting on them to die so that like they can move on with the the shift in the power structure um I mean, you think about like King David in the Bible on his deathbed uh, and the description, the description is like how weak he is and how everybody's just kind of hanging around so that like the next king can come into power. Mm. Um, and that, but like, by contrast, think about Jonathan's death, which just has this like earth shattering impact uh, on, on David and, and on the narrative. Um, and like, there is a way in which um, living this life of wealth and power deprives you of a meaningful death in, in any way other than in terms of impacting other people's wealth and power. Um, well, you know, I, I do know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I kind of disagree. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And I agree in kind of certain ways. Um, it is only the death of rich people and powerful people that matter though, Joe, you know, like, but it is, it it is the, it is the history books are not full of the death of peasants. The history books are, are, are marked by the death and life of rich and powerful people. We do not throw parades for dead poor people. Or, or on behalf of, of dead poor people. It's not, I mean, maybe when Trump dies, we might throw a parade. But like, <laughs> but like the, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, right. like we, don't, we don't recognize that. Like the, the we all, rem, I mean, my mom still gets teared up over the death of Lady Diana. Right. Who, who cares? Well, apparently everybody, you know, but my my point is is that yes there in in a i think that you i think i agree with you in a kind of charles dickens way i and i don't mean that in a i really don't mean that in a, to to as some kind of patronizing thing like like that way of seeing the world i would agree with you on like ebenezer scrooge realizes that what's really important is his relationships with people yeah, sure. But uh, but if Ebenezer Scrooge was the mayor of London, right, and not just some and not just some rich asshole, if he was a rich asshole who had power, everybody would care that he died. And, and it would be an impact, you know, and, and so like for me, there, there's a sense in which I don't know, like like uh uh Millions and millions of poor people die every day and nobody cares. The only people that care are their families. And even they might not care. Yeah, yeah. And you think about unhoused people who just die on the street and their remains end up in morgues and Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Now now that's not that's not a good thing, you know, not not at all. Like like uh but I think but I think those realities are what um are some of the realities that like fuel certain strands of Christian thinking about death as sort of being our enemy. Hmm. Right. Like, like 
I think they do. I think I think it fuels some of them. I'm, I'm not saying that's the case for everything. I mean, the, the scripture one time, and so this is just one moment in scripture, you know, says the last enemy to be defeated is death, right? Like, like, like there, and, and is that a giant theme of scripture? I, uh, who knows, you know, it's, so it's, I'm not trying to appeal to that necessarily, but what I do know is, is that that has been received by people, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Irenaeus says that, that, that Jesus died a, a, a peasant for peasants you know the death of jesus not as a a a giant political death in which his body is berated and 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 we all have to publicly mourn that 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 jesus died and most the overwhelming majority of jerusalem continued their day (laughs) you know is a sign that that that's that speaks of God's, you know, solidarity with the millions of, of poor folk who die every day and the majority of Jerusalem continues their day. Like, like, like there is a sense in which, you know, strands in the early church sort of recognize that, that death is bad without remainder. Um, precisely because death is bad without remainder for poor people. Hmm. you know, in this way of thinking like, like, yes, there's a sense. And and I'm not accusing you of this. And I'm not even saying it's bad. Even if I were accusing you of this, there is a sense in which it's helpful to kind of, uh, I'm going to say spiritualize or romanticize. And I do not mean those Hmm. as dirty words. I really Hmm. don't to spiritualize and romanticize like poor folk and their relationship with death, you know, and, and, and to, to kind of see, you know that uh, uh, a strength, uh, a, a spiritual conviction, a, a a a toughness that that does not mean that they can take a ton of damage, but a toughness that should be admired and seen for what it is. You know that 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 the rich are flabby and spiritually and physically inept, and the poor are are where we can really find spiritual liveness and strength. Yeah, I think I think that there's something to that. And I think that that is important and good. But Jesus just sort of died. Yeah. And nobody cared. Only only six people cared. You know, Jesus just sort of he just sort of died. You know, and 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 the only reason Pilate cared was because six people told Pilate to care. Nobody went and told Pilate to care. Pilot would have been like, "Oh yeah, kill him, whatever." You, you know what I mean? Like, like the there and and that reality is true for the world's for for the overwhelming majority of people on the planet. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 there's a sense to me where 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 like my instinct is is not to um like valorize that like my instinct is to say that is bad you know it is bad that that a a person bearing the image of god disappears and nobody cares you know that's a bad thing 
um you know what i mean like like does that like like i don't i don't mean to i don't know like i don't mean to i don't know what i don't mean to do but but like i think that that that's a part of my theology that i think is really important to me mm-hmm. like that you know that there is there is a uh, I think a lot of not a, not everything, but I think a lot of imperial theology um, sort of sees either either avoids death entirely, and therefore hides death wherever it goes, and and hides that it inflicts death on people, or valorizes death as as sort of saying it is in death that we find glory or it is in death that we find sustenance you know uh uh capitalism people say that a lot like like real you know pure line capitalism people upon uh, upon the ashes of death is all of this glorious stuff about capitalism that's why that's why governments can't bail things out things need to die in order for the good stuff to be here. Failed businesses are dead businesses and let them bury, be buried in the ground. Failed business people are failures and we need to bury them in the ground. Workers die upon the field of capitalism so that good things happen. And, and, and so many pro-capitalism people who are Christian wanna, wanna say, this is why the world is better off under capitalism. Everybody gets richer, provided everybody is willing to die. Right. Well, except for the powerful. Yeah, except for the powerful. Yeah. Um, I uh, I hear I hear everything that you're saying, and I and I think there's a lot of truth in all of it. Um, I think that my the the way that I interact with death is. Um, the same way that I interact with uh, injuries or or things that I uh, would would rather are not happening is just to like to triage and to very quickly figure out like what do we do that will in the end reduce the harm of this harmful thing, hmm. um, and so and, and so like the harm of the thing is never in question. Um, and the hurt of the thing is never in question. It's just, okay, we acknowledge the situation is bad. What do we do in order to lessen that badness? Um, and so, and, and that's why I think I have a a lot of heart for, um, for how we deal with the dead and how we care for the dead, um, and I, one of my like long-term projects at my churches is to um, be able to offer burial for people who go unclaimed at, at morgues or funeral homes or things like that, because I think that, that somebody should care. Somebody should always be caring. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like that is, if I spent all of my days uh, caring for the dead that others have forgotten, like... I would feel blessed and fulfilled. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, it, and it's also hard because um, 
there are people who are not prepared at all for death. And so when it comes, it is devastating. Uh, and I want people to be able to um, uh, not be ruined by that devastation. Um, at the same time, like, I think you're always going to be at the death of a, the death of a, a person who, uh, like a, a tragic accidental death or um, of somebody who you feel like was just getting on, on with their lives or like the death of a child. Like there's, there's all of these, these different deaths that, that do just happen. Um, but that are, that like hurt us in really deep and profound ways. And there's no level of preparation available for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a, it's something that, something that I've really kind of come to understand is that um, we all only can ever hope to have the best answer for now. Um, sure. And that, that we're always seeking after better and deeper and fuller understandings. Um, and so I think that we're both coming at this in, in the right way and from the right place and with the right spirit. Um, and I also think that like over the course of our lives, our understanding of death will continue to evolve. And, but I think that we both can point to uh, understandings and ways of dealing with death that are bad. And I think mm-hmm. that we can know that and go forward trying to, um, eliminate those understandings from the face of the earth just kidding helping people understand better (laughs) exactly i I, agreed i like the uh i like the the summing up of listen we both are approaching it from different angles but i think that in general we agree on important things which is why (laughs) which is why we are still friends listeners and i'm like okay (laughs) who who are you talking to (laughs) i am i'm rehearsing what i have to do at my church all the time (laughs) (laughs) I think both sides bring up interesting points. Like, oh, okay. I mean, also, like, didn't we learn to do that in seminary all the time? We I did. That's something I would just want to piggyback off of what you said. And right, right. Uh, to bring in uh, another in, perspective. In UVA, they say dovetail, which is weird. Oh, who taught like, them like, that? I don't know. I just want to dovetail off of that. And I just like kind of, I kind of stare at them on Zoom. I'm like, what do you want to do? Like, You can't no. dovetail off of, you would have to dovetail into you want to piggyback off of me. You want to right. jump onto my back and then leap from my back. <laughs> right. You know, I, into your point. That's what you want to do. They know what dovetail means though, right? Like, I don't know. I, I, I'm i like, what are you saying? Like, I just, I just, it, to me, it's all very weird. You know, yeah. I sit there and I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Um, no, you're saying the wrong thing. I want to piggyback or I want to push back if somebody doesn't like, what i'm saying listeners i want to push back on that is is grad school speak for what you've just said is incredibly stupid and i am five seconds away from punching you in the throat (laughs) like no i want to push back on that like like that's the only time anybody talks you know in that way like uh, otherwise i said i sat in seminary and i disagreed with 90 percent of what people were saying but i only ever pushed back on people who are just like hey maybe black people sh- aren't people you don't know you don't know if cones right and i'm like oh, i want to push back on that you know <laughs> other than that, <laughs> other than that I- 
we learn it from our poor professors you have to like in order to maintain a learning environment have to honor like all these different thoughts except right. for like dr wheeler who straight up will just be like you're wrong <laughs> no, that's incorrect that's which incorrect. i love about her i i love that too oh my well should should i should i put a stop on this yeah i think so all righty Friends, thanks for listening. This has been a mini-sode of What the Hell is a Pastor. We are Spanx, Reebok, and The Dude, and we will see you next time. You know what you should have said is, uh, shall I I lay this mini-sode to rest? (laughs) That's the other thing.